to his word. God's word gives trustworthy guidance for all of life. There's a lot of self-help books out there and different uh, things you can go through and therapies and this and that, but there is only one reliable source uh, to live this life on earth, and that is the Bible. And the importance of God's word surpasses anything else that someone would want to compare it to. There's manuals, how-to books, online videos abound to teach us any number of techniques and skills. But when it comes to what really matters, living life, only one source will give us all that we truly need, and that's God's Word. The Bible gives up us the answers we need for the moment, and as we read his instruction, God will also guide us to understand his word. Another aspect of the Bible is that it's living. God's word is living. Each of us in here could read a verse and get a different uh, blessing from it. God may use it to apply to Susie's situation, and he may use that same verse to speak to Jim's heart too. Uh, to a need that he may have. And it's amazing in having that uh, property. The question that they ask here in the lesson, what advice would you include if you wrote a how-to book on growing older? What advice would you give? Susie. That's good advice. And I, I would recommend that you take care of yourself earlier in life and uh, get your exercise and a proper diet and everything in moderation. Stay away from certain things. And uh, as you get older, you, uh, God may bless you with still being able to get around good. My grandpa was 88 when he passed away. And uh, I remember when he was 86, we had the blizzard of 78. He helped me shovel our driveway out <laughs> and uh, tried to get him to go in the house and take it easy, but he wouldn't have anything to do with it. He, he relished being able to be out there and do what he could. And I always admired older folks that are still able to to get around at a high level. Psalm 19 is where the verses are today, and it will help us to gain a deeper appreciation for the scriptures. It's a lengthy psalm. It's the longest chapter uh, in the Bible. Each stanza contains eight verses. Each stanza corresponds to one of the 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. For that reason, Bible scholars refer to it as an acrostic psalm. The first two stanzas offer an affirmation 
of the priority of God's word. The affirmation encourages us to cherish the scriptures as a precious treasure. Psalm 119 is believed to have been written by Ezra during the rebuilding of, of the wall in Jerusalem is uh, what uh, one study that I looked at. The theme of this unique psalm is the word of God. Every verse except for five refer to God's word, what it is and what it can do in your life if you let it. The lines in each individual section begin with the same letter of the Hebrew alphabet. This may have been a device to help people memorize the psalm. Think back in this day and time, everybody didn't have a copy of scripture. So in order to learn it or share it, people would repeat it orally to whoever they were sharing it with and this was a device to help people memorize it until they could write it down. The printing press, I don't think, was in practice yet. But that's how it was by word of mouth. And uh, the easiest way is to, to memorize it would be to write it as they did. Psalm 119 contains 10 different names for the word of God. The word, its uh, reference would be word, law, saying, statutes, the way, commandments, path, testimonies, precepts, and judgment. Each name indicates what the word is and how we should respond to it. The writer pictures the word of God as water, treasure, a companion, a counselor, a song, a reference to honey, light, and heritage. Meditate on these pictures and see what they mean to your personal life of faith. Knowing and obeying God's word will bring blessings to your life. But if God is to bless you, you must sincerely seek the Lord and not just study the Bible. And what that's saying is you can't, you can study it academically like you would a history book and memorize facts, but seek the Lord to explain it to you and help you to grow in it. Because as I said, it is living and it can change your life if, you, if you'll let it. It is not just facts in your head, but truth in the heart that makes us grow in the Lord. Let's go ahead and read some verses. Ronnie's not here, so whoever would like to read. Okay, before we go any farther, let's, let's talk about these verses here for just a moment. A person whose walk is blameless will find the highest form of human satisfaction 
and the ultimate experience of human life. We can only find the blameless way by following the word of God. When we do that, we are truly blessed and a blameless life is one lived 100% committed to God. Be all in, not just halfway. And everything that you say and everything you do should have the Lord in mind. And is it pleasing to God? Is it his will for that? And that's, that's how we gauge our life. And God's word is the guidebook for us to follow in any questions that we have. We know that the Bible is the way that God speaks to us uh, through the reading of scripture and our seeking him with our whole heart. Uh, the, the word comes alive uh, to us in doing that. As I said, this is the longest psalm in, and the longest chapter in the Bible. Let's see here. As I said, it was uh, possibly written by Ezra. It was a repetitive meditation on the beauty of God's word and how it helps us to stay pure and grow in our faith. Almost every verse mentions God's word. Remember, God's word is the only sure guide for living a, a pure life. When I stray from God's commands, it produces emptiness and an experience of life that never really satisfies. Seeking the fullness of life apart from obedience to God's word never works and emphasize never. Matthew 6, 6 tells us, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. First of all, we devote ourselves to keeping his testimonies. They provide us with straightforward charges or statutes that he intends for us to obey every day. These statutes and testimonies that God gives us are not to harm us, but they are for our own good. It's God's directive to protect us from getting in trouble. And who knows better how to, uh, for us to live our lives than the author of life. <clears throat> Secondly, we seek the Lord. We don't honor his decree as a vacuum. We don't check a box on a form to signify that we're keeping them. We obey his directives in keeping with our eagerness to seek him. He's encouraged us to look for him as we obey him. And when we do, we will find him. Our wholehearted effort to seek him by way of keeping his decrees will always be beneficial to us. 
one of the benefits of keeping God's decree is that we will do no iniquity. For example, the Ten Commandments don't leave us with many questions about what God expects of his people. When we honor them, we'll be certain we're going to do what's right in his eyes. If we ignore them, however, we're setting ourselves up to do something contrary to his way for us. An example, go back if you want to while you're sitting there and refer to Psalm 1. Read Psalm 1. And you'll be like a tree planted by the waters that will flourish and grow. And if you choose the other path, uh, you'll, be wi you'll wither and die. <clears throat> our walk with the Lord. When we think about our walk uh, with Him, we're talking about a lifestyle of seeking and honoring Him. How is your walk of faith? Is, is it come in here on Sunday and then no thought uh, as to the Lord or prayer for the rest of the week and throw the Bible on the front seat and uh, I'll see you next Sunday. It should be a lifestyle for us. And this, our walk is a journey. It's a journey of faith now that we've given our lives to the Lord. In the New Testament, John helped us to understand that growing believers don't want to sin against God. When the Lord saves us, he give us a new life in him. As a result, our love for him makes us want to reject a sinful lifestyle. It's like that song, I don't go there anymore. Our lives have been changed. The things that we used to and thought we enjoyed to do are, that's not who we are anymore. God changes us. And that, that's a miracle in itself. I know in, for my life personally. That through his spirit working within us, guides us and empowers us to develop a way of living that makes us want to avoid doing anything he considers wrong. 1 John uh, 3, 9, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. And 1 John 5, 18 tells us, We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself. And that wicked one touches him not. We have a choice to make. And as we are born again into God's family, we most often, I hope, make the wise choice. Satan knows what buttons to push and what to put in front of you. So it's up to you to make the right choice to flee that and to, to steer away from it. What are some ways that God's word has been a blessing in your life? Thank you, Sandra. 
Tim and Tina? Good. Ricky? What a testimony. Thank you, Ricky, for that. I got hit by a car when I was still working. And uh, it scared me. I, I stayed at work. I, I didn't go home, but I got cut real bad on my arm. And it knocked me back in the street to where I should have hit my head, but I for some miraculous reason, didn't. But I kept replaying that in my mind. I, and each time I was scared. And I prayed that God would please take that away from me so I could move on. And uh, one morning I was reading before I went to work. And in Psalm 34, verse 7, this poor man cried unto the Lord and he delivered him from all of his fears when I read that verse I never thought about that accident again unless I was telling somebody about it it's just like God put it on erase to where I wasn't continuously thinking about it but I know that that, that was the Lord speaking to me through his word and it still gives me goosebumps to, to even think about it. Psalm uh, 119, we'll read some verses here in a second, is a primary passage of scripture that points to God's word as the ultimate guide and authority. Guided by the Holy Spirit, the psalmist points to the sufficiency of God's word as the ultimate source of life, joy, and peace. What can you possibly add <clears throat> to God's word? Nothing. And we're instructed not to add anything to it or take anything away from it. Blessed. And that word means many things to the modern reader. But in the original Hebrew term, carries the idea of being fully satisfied. Jesus used a similar word in the Beatitudes when he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are they that mourn, 
Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness and so forth. We seek those things, but we are satisfied until we receive them. We're not left longing and wanting or in despair, but our faith and trust is in the Lord that he will provide those things in his due time and in in his uh, perfect way. Let's go ahead and read some more verses, if somebody would like to. Okay, let's talk about those verses here for a moment. We can identify with the way of the psalmist, a sinner who had given his life to the Lord. His dedication to the Lord put him on a journey of growing spiritually, and it showed in his lifestyle. But even though he was growing, he was still not completely mature. So much work still needed to be done in his heart in order for him to be completely devoted to the Lord. God's statutes can be described as his commands that will never change over time. Because they're drawn from his word, they will never fade away or become outdated. They endure forever. When we as individuals who haven't arrived spiritually look at ourselves through the lens of God's changeless statutes, we see that we have a long way to go in our relationship with him before we can consider ourselves to be mature believers. For us to live, to line ourselves up perfectly with his statutes we can spot any number of areas that we need to address. I have a lot of things that I fall way short in. When we think about the distance between where we are and where his command calls us to be, we join with the psalmist and insist that we could be much more steadfast if only our lifestyle reflected an unwavering devotion to his statutes. Uh, more completely and not to take them half-heartedly or but to be fully committed to what God's directive is Jesus said that blessed are the pure in heart when our hearts are purely devoted to God we can receive and experience the highest form of blessing over and over throughout scripture we see this one reality Complete obedience to God's word brings blessing. That I've also learned that seeking the fullness of life apart from obedience to God's word, God's word never works. Diligent obedience to the words and commands of God 
give me exactly what it said it would, and that would be blessing. Terry. that that's a good point Terry and, and I don't know if you would call it this but you're you're paying lip service to uh, to God and it's not a genuine heartfelt praise that just comes out of you different f from just standing up and saying praise God or hallelujah but it's it's different when it's genuine yes The other night in Bible study, when Jim was teaching, I was already studying in this lesson, and I brought some of the points from this lesson into Jim's lesson. But uh, where it says that I will not be ashamed, shame is one of Satan's greatest weapons. We were talking about that the other night. Satan wants to use shame to drive you away from God when you sin or maybe stumble and your first thought would be or Satan starts talking to you and there you go again sinning again I, I thought you were a Christian and you get down on yourself and you feel that shame but the difference here between shame and conviction conviction is what God uses in the heart of a child of God to draw you back into the right relationship with him. It's as if God's spirit speaks to you and says, come on now. 
you know we don't do that anymore. Come back to me. And that is a conviction that, that God lays on the heart of a believer. So there's a, a big difference there in that. Romans 1.16 teaches us that, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. If you're a genuine born-again child of God, you are not ashamed to let someone know that you're a Christian. You don't go and hide if, say, you're in a group of people that are unbelievers. I, I don't, I'm not intimidated by them anymore. Maybe early in my walk, when I was unsure of myself and not really grounded yet spiritually, still, still a baby in Christ, I may refrain from commenting or saying anything but as you grow in the Lord the Lord gives you a boldness to speak for him in in any given situation and we should speak up if if the Holy Spirit moves on you to do that okay let's read uh, these last couple verses 9 10 and 11 Here where it talks about wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way. Generally, when you think of young people, I think of myself when I was way younger. I was somewhat impulsive. I would, could be easily talked into doing things. Just uh, feel like everybody liked me. So there's a temptation for young people to be pulled in or pulled towards things that, that are ungodly. And let's just use this for an example in, in what I studied. We are drowning. This is a commentary for like verse 9. We are drowning in a sea of sexual images and sinful attractions. Everywhere we look, we find temptation to fill our minds with thoughts of sexual relationships. The writer asks a question that troubles us all. How do we stay pure in a contaminated environment? We can't do this on our own, but must stay pure. But we must have counsel and strength more dynamic than the tempting influences around us. Where can we find that strength and that wisdom? By reading God's word and doing what it says. Whatever situation that you may face, if you have a question about it, it can be found in God's word. 
the answer or counsel, sound counsel, as to what course of action you should take or not take. The book of Proverbs is filled, 31 chapters of the wise sayings of Solomon. The Psalms are also a testimony of God's word. God's word can keep you clean. You must heed God's word and hide God's word in your heart. And it is to be used. By hiding it in your heart, you keep it. You don't lose it. You keep that with you. And then when you're challenged, you can reference that or you can go to the Bible and be greatly encouraged as to whatever you're facing. Because the one thing God's word, one of the many things God's word has going for it is that it's infallible. It's completely true. It's eternal. It is God's spoken word. And it can be trusted. There's no wavering, no changing. It is uh, for the ages. We can avoid all the accusations, the shame and the humiliation by remaining steadfastly devoted and obedient to God. We must be fully committed to God's word. It's almost as if the psalmist sighed to himself with the gravity of the thought. The cry of his heart was to follow the word of the Lord with every single second of his life. Why? Then shall I not be ashamed. Can you think of anybody that you know that reverences God's word so much that you know within five minutes of being in their company that they are in God's word all the time. I, I, can, I can name a couple people. Wanda Thacker has since passed that went, went to the old church. I don't think she ever seen the inside of this building or never attended here. Wanda Thacker, I think of Penny's mom, had both legs amputated and got fitted with prostheses so, so she could babysit Caleb and Kirby. That's how much that she wanted to be a part of their lives. And think about the pain and what she endured to be able to do that. And she was joyful the whole time. Did your mom never complain, did she? Amazing. Yes. She was. We were looking through a box of things Friday night underneath one of the stairways that's seldom visited that Penny was getting some stuff out. And in this box was a, a note 
where one of her prayers was that her children would all be saved. A prayer that I would be saved. And uh, those prayers were answered. I believe Caleb and Kirby one day will come through those doors too. I believe that. I'm trusting, trusting that this morning. The Bible is the best book in the best place for the best purpose. We must also rejoice in God's word, delight in it, and meditate on it. Meditation is to your inner person what digestion is to your body. Cultivate an appetite for the word of God. How long do you have to do something for it to become a habit? 30 times. If we would just pick up our Bible every, every day at an appointed time, I understand some people uh, work and it's all you can do to get up in the morning and get ready and get out the door. But sometime later in the day, if you can set aside some quiet time, 15 minutes, but hey, go for 30 if you can. Or read till you're, you get kind of tired of reading. And you, you will be blessed in so doing. Some of the earlier lessons that we had in, uh, not in this book, but back in the summer, concerning uh, King David and uh, things that he went through, I started reading in First Kings, and I, I would read a couple of chapters before the lesson, and then I would read up to the lesson to have some background. And then I thought to myself, man, these are, these are some good stories. I'm just going to keep reading. So I would read a couple of lessons or a couple of chapters ahead and really enjoyed spending that time refreshing myself in God's word. These are all stories and parts of God's word that we should be familiar with if we spend any time uh, as a Christian. But it's good to go back and reread and let God speak to you again and maybe point out some things that maybe we missed the first or second time that, that we read it. Immerse yourself in it and be blessed and do it. Terry, did you? I, I thought I'd seen your hand go up. Yes, Jim. No. Uh, because I'm always getting new information. 
And what a foundation that you build upon then as well. It's very strengthening uh, for us spiritually. Very simply, I know I'm out of time. The greatest weapon against Satan's plan to get us to sin and bury us in shame is obedience to God's word. The psalmist is to be commended for his desire to be obedient. We should embrace being obedient to God's word. It's not something that we should do because we feel we have to. We should desire to. Think about what Jesus did for us at the cross. And our obedience should be the least of what we could do. The beauty and the power of God's commands and the need for his help. As we seek to obey, we should pray even as the psalmist prayed, Oh, forsake me not utterly. We need the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit to be obedient, and when we lean on him, something marvelous will happen. We would not be put to shame. I'm out of time, so thank you for your attention and your patience. Thank you.